Welcome to Lemonade Learning, a refreshing look at learning today. We serve up high impact practical strategies alongside honest and energizing stories to help educators. Make the most of your moments, lead and learn with purpose, and craft lifetime lemonade from the sweets and sours of education. Join us for a glass. Hey everybody, it's Bree And Lainey, welcome. We've got another special guest and I'm going to let Bree do the introductions. Well, I am super excited because it's not often that I get to introduce somebody who's not from Texas um, and especially introducing somebody from California, but I am super, super, super excited to have the one and only Jerry Almendarez with us. Um, I hope I got all of the vowels and the, the things right. If I didn't, Jerry will give me a hard time about it later, but I'm super, super excited to have Jerry here. I am so fortunate to have known him for a few years in a lot of different capacities through Digital Promise, through Future Ready Schools, through lots of different things, just following the incredible work that he does. But um, Jerry was formerly of Colton Unified, now at Santa Ana School District in California. I think it's like top five largest schools. I don't know, somewhere in there. Um, you're definitely for, for your area, uh, a pretty big one with uh, 40 thousand plus students and uh, about 5,000 teachers, I think somewhere in there. So we're thrilled to have you want to kind of cut this intro short so that way we can jump into the meat of the conversation. But thanks so much for joining us today, Jerry. Thank you for having me. I look forward to the conversation. Well, we are excited. And yes, I, the, the funny thing is Bree has known you for years and I live down the street from your district and we are, we've talked online, but this is the first time we're live chatting. So I'm very excited about this. So we always start off with our sweet and sour, and we'd love to hear what's going on in your world. What's what's sweet and what's uh, sour? Well, for me, the thing that's sweet that's going on in my world is probably my book clubs, and I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that. But I just love uh, love being able to have conversations about either current research or you know current topics that, that uh, are relevant to uh, what we're experiencing right now. And I think the sour part is, you know, just the frustration with not being uh, in person instruction right now completely, but knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel and that we're, we're getting there fairly soon, you know, is, is kind of easing the pain on that end. Yes. Okay. Now you gave me an in and I'm going to take it because you <laughs> talked about the book clubs and that's actually a way that you and I connected is that you were doing a book club on Adam Grant's Think Again with Pam Gildersleeve Hernandez, who I love. Uh, and anytime we can talk about professional learning, I mean, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Is that okay, Brie? Can we start with that? And yeah. I mean, this is a year of like craziness. How have we learned in this? And so mm. do you mind telling us a little bit about your book clubs and how that's kind of maybe helped through this time? Well, you know, I think um, being new to this district, coming in, uh, you know, in December prior to going out on COVID, I, I think probably my biggest strength or my greatest strength is my interpersonal skills, my ability to interact with other uh, human beings. And coming into a new district three months in, COVID hit, and then all of that was taken away. And, you know, as a new superintendent, expecting to lead a district this size and navigate through this unknown environment, I was at a loss. I was really, I was in my office. I mean, I was coming to work. There were, there was nobody here. There were no, no students and teachers in at the school sites and all these unknowns. And, and I was really, you know, probably on an all time low when it came in because I wasn't able to get out there and interact. So I thought, you know, I need to figure out a way to be able to continue to communicate and interact. And I thought I'll do a book club. 
And that's, I started a book club with our admin team and, and it was voluntary. And then that went well that I thought I need to reach out to the teachers. So we, we started a book club with the teachers and that went well. And then I had some teachers say, hey, what about kids? And so I started reading a few books with some kids and we did the virtual Zoom hangouts and stuff like that. So very quickly um, in, in this, at the early stages of COVID, I was able to kind of fill my bucket. It was a personal really choice on my end to kind of help fill my needs because the teachers were interacting with the kids, the principals were interacting with the, with the teachers and the students, but it was, you know, I was left out all alone and with my staff and my administrators, but it just wasn't the same. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think we all truly appreciate our superintendents. I don't know that they get as much attention for the struggles that they're having. We, we know how hard it is for kids and families and for teachers and all staff, but the weight of a superintendency is intense. And so I really love that you found a way to turn that into a positive, to stay connected to your community. And so I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we took we we tried to have uh, conversations about you know like like just a human relationship part and there's a lot of a lot of books that that I have and 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 kind of the similar categories and research that we talk that we uh, all operate in and that's basically focusing on that human being and those interpersonal relationships and meeting those foundational uh, needs first before we can move on to the academic. And so during this time of uncertainty, we just read a lot of those books and really was a way to have very vulnerable and personal conversations under the umbrella and the cover of a book. And there were tears. I mean, there were times when I was having conversations with kids, I mean, with teachers about their kids and, you know, teachers were in tears. I mean, I was in tears at, at some point in time because, you know, hearing the stories, then going out and visiting them, the, the Zoom links and just seeing the you know, the emotional strain that it put on people and principals and teachers was really tough, but the cover of these books really gave us a safe space to, to express ourselves. I love that. Well, I'm not one to shy away from tears. If you, if you, if you, any listeners of the show know that I occasionally shed some myself. So no, no crazy waterworks today. No, 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 no. We're, we're happy. We're happy tears. We're happy tears today. But I, I think that, you know, that's one of the things that, that we see successful superintendents are always finding a way to get onto campus, to connect with the classroom, to see what's happening in action. And, you know, when that moves into an online circumstance, trying to find those places and, and get into that, um, you know, you certainly innovated that situation, right? To like find, okay, this is what I've got to do. I've got to be able to, to be seen um, and see, see, you know, not so much you be seen, but to like see what's going on and understand what it's like to be engaged in a Zoom hangout. Like, what's it like to, you know, feel your your camera turn on, turn off, you know, any of the challenges that come in with all those different pieces. I think it's just, you know, it's another example of putting yourself in that role of, you know, both as a learner, as well as a leader and trying to, to navigate that. I think that that's, that's one of the pieces, you know, again, we, we've seen that success that happens when we're all in person. And I think that that's a true example of, of a successful role of a leader in this online, um, you know, transition as well. Yeah, it's definitely been uh, challenging. And I think, um, you know, the question that I keep going back to is we, we should have been ready. You know, I mean, we've been talking about this uh, 21st century learning environment for years. 
And I think, I mean, we did the best we could do with, with, the, with, the, with what we had at that time. We had the devices. I think the staff development on all ends could have been a little bit more um, um, relevant to our current you know, um, technology. But you know, uh, kudos to the staff, everybody involved, even the parents and the kids adapting in a sh very short period of time, learning how to Zoom and to use Google you know, Docs and all of these various platforms to be able to navigate these challenges. And that's, one, that's another sweet spot that I really um, am grateful for is that th there wasn't a lot of complaining. There was more you know, people raising their hand and, and saying, hey, I need help. I need, I need help to navigate this space. And, you know, being a superintendent that was, uh, you know, navigating the space with them, you know, I've been dropped on calls. I've been, both, <laughs> I've, you know, as we learned more about COVID, you know, and, and we started to go outside and started visiting uh, school sites in classrooms. Granted, the students weren't there, but I could see the teachers navigating the technology that they had and those frustrations to the students on their end being dropped you know, coming up to a school and seeing a line of parents out in front of the office with their devices in their hands and their hotspots in their hands, trying to turn them in to get, you know, either upgraded devices or, or different hotspots because the connectivity was an issue at home. So I think, you know, those opportunities to be out physically out there when I, when it was safe to be, and then the opportunities to be in the, the, the virtual space kind of give, gave me a real good, clear understanding of the challenges that exist. And it wasn't just the teachers that had to trans transition, it was our admin too, because our admin weren't necessarily in that space as well. And so it was a real uh, eye-opener for all of us. But we, 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 we think we did the best we could have done with what we had and we're planning on looking different when we come back and we're excited about the opportunities that lie before us. I love that. I think that's a really important point because um, we often talk about, when we talk about the, the, the professional learning, the, and I'm gonna include students into that professional learning, right? Because we've oftentimes really targeted students and teachers for how do we you know, get them the information that they need, skill level, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But, administration has often not really been in that top tier of, of making sure that um, that they get where they need to go. And so can you share a little bit for what that was like of, of really, you know, helping principals and, and their admin team kind of navigate that? Because, you know, to borrow a phrase from, from Jimmy Casas, I know there was not a how to swiftly transition to an online environment in their, um, in their principal school. So how did you, how'd you kind of navigate that with them? Well, you know, what, it was interesting because it, it all started with a conversation about students and then it evolved from there to the administrators. But I remember being in a Zoom meeting with a bunch of, you know, district uh, educators, uh, uh, leaders, and we're having conversations about how we're redesigning the, the, the classroom and the experience for next year when the kids come back. And then probably about 40 minutes into the conversation, I'm, I'm realizing, I'm looking at the screen and realizing we're talking about creating a, a new learning environment for kids and there's absolutely no kids there. Get part of this conversation and the light switch just went on. And I was like, what are we doing? We're, we're creating, we're going back to, we're gravitating back to our comfort zone. This is what we think they should do. This is what we think the teachers should do. This is what we think the kids should do without including the teachers or the kids. And so, um, so then we fast forward to like the online staff development 
and started thinking, well, if we're going to expect this, then how are we modeling that behavior and those expectations? So, um, you know, what, one of the things that we did is we just started being more inclusive. We brought kids into the conversation. We brought teachers into the conversation. Most recently on our social media posts, we brought parents into the conversation. And so, you know, we think we were good listeners before COVID. And I think we were, I, I'm guilty of that. But I think subconsciously it was to check off a box and say, yeah, we talked to these stakeholders. I'm committed to redesign those conversations and rethink those conversations. And this is where Adam Grant, the book comes in, um, is rethinking how we have conversations because they're a critical part in redesigning our future. How can I design a future without including those that it impacts? And so my commitment post COVID is to bring what I call reverse mentors into the conversation people that are you know, up and coming or that are new and used to this, uh, the devices and the platforms and make them a part of the conversation as opposed to me saying, okay, here's what I need as a superintendent. And I have learned so much from everybody. You know, the, the mentors that I, that I seek advice from, granted they haven't experienced COVID, but they have the, the, the depth of knowledge and the experience to navigate various challenges regardless of what they are but also from the new and up and coming like yourselves who are operating in a space that I you know, haven't completely occupied yet. And that's why you see me in spaces like Clubhouse and other, other online platforms because I wanna be a fly on the wall and just listen to conversations that are taking place so, I can, so it'll help me make better decisions as a superintendent. So for the record, I learned Clubhouse etiquette from you, Jerry. <laughs> I was later on that on that boat than you were. So thank you for teaching me. So I think you, one thing I have noticed is that you have um, fully embraced uh, being a learner. I'm sure you always have, but as, as I've come to know you, I've seen you um, having a presence everywhere, which I think is awesome that you have this uh, multiple ways that you're connecting with people through social media, like you said, your book clubs. And I think that's really important. That presence, we've, Brie and I have talked a lot about presence on this show and how um, that's something we kind of take for granted that happens in person. Although I think there's maybe some rethinking of the quality that happens just because you're physically in a room with someone. We have to be intentional with that. But I, I, as someone who doesn't know you as well as Brie, have observed you being very present. And I love the reverse mentors and listening to those who have some fresh ideas to share. So Brie, what do you think? Well, the thing that was coming to mind as you were talking through all of that is I keep coming back to that word innovation, right? And how do we get to innovation? And um, I, I do, I love the part about one of the things I've always appreciated about you, Jerry, is, is your willingness to learn. Um, as, far, as far as I've known, you have always put yourself in a situation to where you can learn what's happening around you, learn from different districts that are, you know, what are, what are things that they're doing? What are they doing well? Where are some stumbles that, you know, we can learn from all those different pieces. Um, and I think that, that one of the pieces that comes along with that is when you go into a room to learn, you know, you have a certain caliber around you, right? Like everybody knows you're a superintendent, but, but you're also able to come in, not to try to set the stage of like, Hey, Jerry's here. I'm going to take care of everything. You guys step back and look back. You're there to learn, you know, how has that character of you, you know, how has that helped you try to figure out innovation as, as we go 
through this because like you said, you're not coming in and saying like, this is what I need. This is what I want you guys to do. Instead, you're, you're really, and I don't, I don't really even like the term, like, you know, top down or bottom up or like this, the Oreo version of, of leadership. Like, I, I think it's truly like, you, you know, you're bringing in, you're allowing the, the, the members of this community to, to truly lead innovation, um, and doing this together. So kind of, yeah, run with that. Talk, talk to me about that for a little uh, bit. And you know, uh, Lady, I, the, I try and get in as many spaces, not because I have the answers or I have the knowledge, but because I don't have the, the answers or the knowledge. So I'm trying to calibrate, uh, in the various platforms and various spaces that I occupy, what those conversations are about. And I think, um, Bri Brianna, to your uh, comment, you know, there's nobody that knows this um, community better than our community members and the district stakeholders. And they are innovative. They just don't know how innovative they can be. And so what I've learned over the years is like, it's not any one person that's going to have the answers or solutions. I can have an idea and I can say, you know, this is this worked in this place in my previous district, but it may not work here. So what I've learned by occupying all these spaces is one is everybody's looking for the same answers as I am. Everybody, they may think they have the right answer, but you aren't really sure because it hasn't necessarily been tested yet. And then, um, you know, and then the next thing is like, everybody's trying to figure out what are we going to do next? What does that look like? And so what I've learned as a result of all of these conversations is to be a better listener. I'm going to gravitate back to that and not just listen this time to check a box, but listen and implement. So when we talk to parents and to students about what do you want your future to look like in the classroom or at a school site, and we have parents and students say, you know, I, not that academics aren't important, but I can care less about academics right now. And I want to know that adults care about me. That helps me as a superintendent make the rollout of reentering school look a lot different than it did if I didn't include them in these conversations. And we've had hundreds of conversations with lots of kids and lots of parents. And we're collecting this data. I have our research department who's in these, who's part of these Zoom meetings, and they're collecting all this data. And we're compiling that and we're sharing it with our administrators. So if you looked at my last social media post, I had probably about 12 parents, maybe eight to 12 parents that attended our leadership team meeting. And we hold leadership team meetings every Friday. Those are my meetings are not principal meetings where we have an agenda. These are leadership development meetings. I have about 180 and Brianna, you were a part of one of those meetings when you were a guest of mine. But I, I was struggling with how do I get my leaders to these parent spaces? And then the light switch went on after one of these conversations that I was a part of. I said, bring the parents to us. We meet regularly every week. So that's what that was. And the parents spent an hour and a half talking about the challenges they had this past year and their hopes for their children as we reopen. And it was a very, um, very vulnerable conversation, very powerful conversation to hear from parents and their challenges and the struggles that their children had. And I'm confident that we're going to take their input into consideration as we roll things out. So we're going to do that with students. We're going to do it with teachers. I've already had a group of teachers that I've already had initial meeting with. We're going to pull them in. And this cycle is just going to repeat itself throughout the year. 
Love that. So I, I will, I want to clarify because I said, I see you in all the spaces, but I didn't really say what you were posting about. And I should say mm-hmm. that what I always see you posting about is that, yes, what do I, what do you need? Like you're asking people for input. And then also what I really see you post a lot of, which shows me that you're listening is you're lifting other people up and you're sharing about their successes and the good things that are happening with your staff and your students. And so I love that. Um, I had a thought. Go ahead. Can I add? I learned that from my reverse mentors like Brianna, who mm-hmm. preaches telling your story. And this is the value. This is why the work that you guys do, and you guys meaning all of you in that mm-hmm. space, are so valuable to people like me. Because without hearing that over and over and over again, and then seeing it being pushed out on your end, really motivates people like me and, and my colleagues, and, and motivates me to encourage my staff to do the same. So it's that ripple effect that that reverse mentors and all people have that choose to tell their story in the various ways that they do. I'm sorry, Lainey. For- well, I'm, I want to jump in on that real quick because I know that one of the conversations that we had when when I got to, to visit with your team was talking about how so often we feel that it has to be like made for Hollywood TV story in order to to share it, and that um, you know it's truly the everyday stories. The you know what does this look like? for our our kid who's not able to connect? What does it look like for the kid who has struggled and struggled and struggled and then finally, you know, the the fireworks go off and all of a sudden he's, you know, found his, his way to push forward in that. And I hear so much of that in what you're talking about with connecting and listening to people because so often we get stuck in that innovation piece where we don't know what to do because all we see is all the things that need to happen, right? And so it's just this like, I'm gonna freeze because there's no way possible that I can do all of these things. But the one thing that you will never run short of is people, once they're willing to, of sharing where their challenges are, right? Like they're gonna tell you, okay, this is the part that's hard for me. And then they'll also, whether it's by telling you straight out or you know, if you have to kind of read into it a little bit, they're also telling you what's really important to them. And if you, if like you said, if you if you sit and you listen for those things instead of trying, you know, you listen to learn, not listen to 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 do, then you're you're able to piece all of those things together and really find where that next element comes in. And um, you know, I think that that's one of those pieces that I I certainly have learned over this last year um, working with a lot of different districts is that if you as a leader are willing to stand in front of people and say, hey, I don't, I might not have all of the answers, but I'm going to let you know what I know at this point. And, and that might be just you coming on to say, I don't know anything right now, but I know that, you know, this is, I know the minute that I know something, you're going to know it too. And, and what you're doing is establishing that relationship and that trust that's there. That goes so much farther than the person who only pops in to tell when something has been decided, right? Because when you do that, then you've undermined all of the culture that you've worked so hard to create. Like you want to create this culture of a community that's all built together. And when that leader just communicates to tell the the decision, then you're telling everybody else in your community, hey, I didn't really take, take what you wanted under consideration, like just go and do what I'm asking you to do. And I I love that you continually bring that back in over and over again. 
You know, one of the cha biggest challenges that I had when, you know, as we started to roll this, this branding part of the social media during COVID was uh, some of our administrators felt like it was bragging. You know, I don't want to brag. I'm not here to brag. I'm not here to boast. It's not about me. And that's one of the reasons why, Brianna, you know, it was so important for you to come in at the time you did, because it's not about bragging. It's about branding and it's about telling other people's story. And so once they understood the value of that, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed since, since your visit, but we've taken off and we, you know, we do a really good job. I'm so proud of our community. I have people creating Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts just so they can follow. Some of them we've recognized over the past months, well, if it's Asian American or African American History Month, we'll, we'll highlight people in our district to promote them. Some of those people have created Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts just specifically because they were highlighted. And that's what this is all about. It's all about, you know, creating the narrative, but also telling our story and making sure the right story is getting out. You know, your story is part of our story, right? Like, and that's the part that, that we want to make sure that that is understood. And, and it's a community. It's that piece of, of really bringing it together. I, you're knocking it out of the park. You're absolutely doing that. And I think that it's coming through in all of those elements, you know, I mean, you're seeing that success return. And what's exciting is when kids get back into in-person instruction, you're going to see different content come out. You're going to see learning, you know, you're going to see the student engagement because the push is going to be, let's show people how good we are academically and why we're so good at what we do. And we're going to highlight all of those, you know, project-based learning activities and opportunities. And I recently got a brand new book that I'm excited about. You can see it back there on the table. And so that's next on my reading list. And, and uh, Lainey, we have to circle back to that conversation because I definitely want to pick your brain and uh, help, help guide them. Guide you know, I, I'm happy to talk any learning and professional learning. I, I love to nerd out on that too. So anytime you want to chat. Um, you mentioned something, Jerry, that I want to be really clear of. Sometimes we record episodes really far in advance. We're not actually doing that for your episode. It is going to come out quite quickly. And you said something that I'm not sure we have addressed head on. And that is the fact that your district did not go to in-person this year. And, you know, one of the things that's been interesting in my last year plus is that when this first happened, and I'm thinking March, April, May, June of last year, and I was working with teachers all around the world. It was this very interesting moment in time where we were all in the same place. Yes, We were all in the same place. It didn't matter if I was talking to a teacher in Brazil, someone in uh, Hong Kong, someone in Ireland. I could talk to anyone in the world and we were all going through virtually the exact same experience. But that has shifted. And we now have uh, some that are in different places. And we've got parts of the world that are really struggling. We're fortunate here in the United States that our numbers overall are, are dropping. Yay, we hope that continues. Other places it's not. So I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about maybe having had the opportunity to watch others go back in person and looking to the fall, you know, what are some of the things that you're, you're thinking about as you make these considerations to move forward? And, and, and I want you to give as much latitude, but like, what, maybe what are some things you're hoping to return to? Maybe what are some things you're hoping won't, you know, what are the lessons learned, I guess? So uh, funny you mentioned that because I uh, had the opportunity to interact with people from all over the world too, educational leaders from all over the world. And, and, you know, one of the reasons we asked for that dialogue to, to take place was because we, 
there were other parts at the time that had already opened up. So as superintendents, as this national superintendent group, you know, this country was in the same place. We were all still at some level of lockdown, but other parts of the world were open up. So we reached out to this organization to help us pull together some educators so we can ask them. Then the second wave hit, and then everybody went back to the same, you know, the same um, conditions. Um, but what I've learned is that, you know, the, it's, it becomes an equity issue. You know, some communities have access to resources that others don't. In Santa Ana Unified, we were the hardest hit um, city and area of the county. We're a high socioeconomically disadvantaged uh, community with a lot of uh, first responders, um, essential workers uh, that live in our uh, community. So um, they were getting sick sometimes at three times quicker than, than other areas. And so, and multifamily dwelling. So if uh, one person got infected, they would come back and infect maybe seven or eight others. And so it hit us the hardest. And as um, the, the county was starting to come out of COVID, other parts of the community of the county uh, were able to open up and we weren't. And so, um, but what we've learned as a result of that is even though they've opened up, there's still some disconnect there. I mean, there, there's still some challenges whether it's a hybrid model or um, other um, um, staggered scheduled times, they're still having challenges with students connecting and, and actually being present. Those students that have the resources are, are able to do a better job at it than others, but there are still some challenges. Um, so what, what we're trying to do here as a result of that in Senate Unified is to make the experience to, to increase the engagement and the uh, stimulating the, the students more in, in the classroom setting and not so much provide that direct instruction. So how do we get kids to wanna to come to school? What are some things that we need to do? In conversations with students and parents, we need to think differently. So why does school have to begin at eight o'clock in the morning? Can it begin at 11? Why, do, why, do, why does tutoring have to end at five? Can it, can, if my student needs help at 11 p.m. at night or 9.30 at night, Will they have access to an adult or tutoring opportunities there? So we're looking at all of that. We're looking at staggered starting and ending times. We're looking at um, um, the curriculum that is provided. Not necessarily, we're, 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 we don't wanna go back to that direct instruction model. We want to go into project-based learning. There are some um, research that we've been doing with some of our future ready uh, partners out there that we're really excited about bringing in and we're going to start small and pilot some of these programs and if we have success then we're going to replicate these staff development not only for teachers but for administrators um, myself as a superintendent i'm participating in some with my principals and the reason why i'm participating in, in this professional development with my principals is because i want to know what they're what they're experiencing, the research that they're embracing, and how I can, how I'm able to support it as a, at the executive cabinet level. So we, and that's why these conversations that I talked about with students, parents, and teachers are so important, is because it doesn't end. We talk about redesigning our, our schedule, our, our starting in any time, we implement it, and then three months later we come back and we say, okay, how's it working? Is it working? What, what changes do we need to make? Same thing with the curriculum. I mean, there are all kinds of, of uh, things that we have um, that we're very excited about. We, we have a, about 80 uh, uh, community leaders and parents, uh, combined community leaders and regional leaders and parents from um, higher ed 
our faith-based nonprofit parents and elected officials that come together on a monthly basis that have a conversation about redesigning what it looks like. And it's, it's, through, it's called the DSDP process, the uh, District System Design Plan that we're working on. And we're we've, uh, coming out with a statement of purpose talking about what do we expect SAUSD students to, to have when they graduate. And so uh, it's basically a graduate profile, but in collaboration with all the community stakeholders. So we're excited. We got a lot of exciting things happening. We're, we're looking forward to uh, summer school and to August, and we can hardly wait to, to see the little ones and the big ones uh, back in the classroom. Okay, so I just have to, to quote you because <laughs> this is important. How do we get kids to want to come to school? I love that question. I, I, think, um, I think we wanted to ask that question for a while, but I feel like maybe we thought we had too many constraints to ask that. So I love that you're rethinking all of these things. What does the school day look like? How do we shift to inquiry base? Which, you know, doesn't mean there's not instruction. It's just how do we switch to that project-based learning so that we're really trying to get kids engaged and empowered and really make it less about the person in the front of the room, right? Like we want to make sure that we're really empowering our kids. You know, the interesting thing is we've had a series of conversations with students and they'll tell you. So, so we asked them, you know, that you get the answer to the question you ask. So we've kind of played around with some of the questions that we asked, but really it's like, what classes do you enjoy the most and why? And they will tell you what, you know, what teachers and, and they, they want to have fun. They want it to, they want to have fun. They want it to be meaningful. They don't want to stick their heads in a book the whole time. They want to be able to uh, work with their fellow students and interact with fellow students. And they want time to reflect and they want time to work on stuff that they find valuable and important. And, and it makes so much sense. And it's, it's like, how come we haven't been doing this before? Why? Because we haven't been good listeners. I mean, we, we say we've been listening, but have we really been listening? And my response to that is for me personally, I want to say no, and I'm and I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed to have to admit that. But my commitment, as we come out, is going to be a better listener. And it doesn't just stop with students. You 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 can have the same conversation with teachers. We had a we had about 38 teachers uh, last week, and we were having the same conversation with them. What what were your challenges, and what do you hope things will look like? They have all the ideas. I'm sitting there going, I want you to be on my committee. I want you to be on my committee. I want you to be on my committee. And because they were thinking of all the things that we were thinking of, but they're taking it to the next level. And if I have a motivated group of teachers that are already in that space, then let's pull them all together, give them some resources and support and let them start piloting some things. And then the same with the parents, you know, the parents are like, we want to know what the teachers expect of us. Here are the challenges that my children, my child goes through at home. I want to help the school, but I just don't know what's expected of me as a parent. Well, Mike, I'm sitting there listening to this. I'm going, well, why don't you know? Well, because we haven't done a good job of communicating that. So, you know, listen, listen, listen. Um, that's my commitment is to be a better listener. And my, the way of holding me accountable is by sharing that out on the various social media platforms. Because I want people to see, you know, I want people to see and say, hey, what's going on there? You know, some, some conversations don't go as well as we hope. Uh, most do, but those that don't, we, we reflect and say, okay, why did that, 
go south, you know, and, and we make the adjustments and correct it the next time we meet. It's like lessons in the classroom, right? Like sometimes it just doesn't go over and we have to figure out what it was that, that didn't get there for that time. So that said, um, we keep talking about your social media. So share with us how people can connect with you, um, follow you, all the great things that are happening out at Santa Ana Unified. Where can we catch up with you? So Twitter, uh, we have a Facebook account, Twitter account, Instagram account, and LinkedIn. And we're working on a TikTok. Oh! We're working on a TikTok. So why does it not surprise me? Because I feel like one of the strengths that I really see in you is, and again, this is more from like an outsider, but that you really focus on those multiple points of entry, right? Like you're not just going to do Twitter or just going to do Instagram. You're going to hit all of that. And it's not just social media either, right? You're still using the phone calls and the text messages and the emails. And it's like that word relentless was one that mm -hmm. I have kind of clung to over the last uh, year plus is like, we can't give up on anyone. So we're going to be relentless. We're going to keep asking. We're going to keep listening. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we got to we got to go where the kids are, you know, and we got to occupy their space. And so um, I have a 10 year old grandson that helps me, you know, stay relevant to some level. And then, uh, you know, just the visits and the conversations with the student groups that I hang out with, um, you know, and just having the conversations. I'll share a little trick with you. I have a uh, there's a couple of uh, um, like big talk here. These are question cards. You guys are probably familiar with some of them are used for games adults, but I take these with me when I go visit school sites just to spark a conversation with young adults to, 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 to begin, you know, to, to break down those barriers and have the opportunity to begin to ask them some really, you know, quite real good questions about how we can help them. And uh, the TikTok, we, we have some really good ideas related to book clubs. You know, there's some really cool things that are going on. I mean, stuff that's appropriate, but I want, you know, we want to start gravitating people that are already on that space to value and demonstrate the importance of, you know, reading or other things, you know, that we want them, we want to emphasize as a district, the social emotional part. I love that because what you just said was we're going to the people who are already in those spaces to learn what they do really well in those spaces, right? Like, I think that that is a, a continuing element of your leadership. It's not, I'm going into that space to try to take it over and to start it, to make it what I want it. You know, I'm not trying to take LinkedIn and shove it into TikTok, right? Like I'm trying to learn from what's going really, really well in this area and figure out how we fit into that area. And, you know, I think that that, that is, is so evident in your, in your leadership style. And, and I think that we can all learn and take away so much from that of how do we show that Santa Ana or that, that our culture is our community is present in each one of these cultures, instead of trying to make our community overtake each one of these cultures and and I, I i just i love that i love and, that and i'm not naive enough to know that i they will only allow me in that space for a, a fixed period of time until they they really say hey you know this is what the adults are trying to do then they're going to find some other space but you know it's our responsibility if if my my thought is is if i don't occupy these spaces and know what is out there for for our youth then i'm going to be making decisions that are generations beyond them. And that's not helpful. I mean, 
it's not going to help them and it's not going to engage them in learning or want to and get them to want to come to school. So I have to navigate their space to learn what, what, what appeals to them so we can embed that in our system. And then if I don't as a superintendent, I become irrelevant. You know, it would be easy for me to stay in my office and not, you know, just read the current research and, and meet with my staff and say, okay, go do these things. But at some point it's gonna, that will plateau and then I'm gonna be making decisions that are not relevant to our current um, youth and, and staff. So it's my responsibility as a superintendent to make sure I occupy those spaces, not only for kids, but for teachers too, and <clears throat> make sure that I meet their needs as well because we, we're, you know, we need teachers of the future to be innovative and, and engaging as well. Like a, it's like a form of electronic empathy. I mean, it's like, you know, you're going out there to, to see what is happening and hear what's happening and, and learn, you know, what their experiences are. And I think that that's, that's I, I mean, if that's not future ready and, and uh, you know, turn of the century type of, of situations that we're running into, then I, I don't know what is. So, yeah, I love it. Your, your collaborative leadership style just really comes through. And I hope that for other leaders, and I think at every level as an educator, whether you're superintendent, classroom teacher, uh, paraprofessional, we can all be leaders, right? I think that collaborative approach is really what's going to keep us moving forward. And so I, I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Um, I think you're very humble and modest, and I appreciate that. So, I, but, but I also want to make sure to honor the fact that you are very transparent, very authentic, and very vulnerable in your practice. And I appreciate that. And I hope that other leaders, again, whatever your role is in education, I hope they're looking to you and folks like you who are out there um, really listening and collaborating, because I think it's going to make all the difference. I'm super excited about the things that you're thinking about for next year. I hope others are thinking about those things too. I'm just makes it makes my not only my my teacher heart happy not only my coach heart happy but my parents heart happy to think that we have education leaders who are really taking this opportunity to rethink roles and redefine structures and all of that so very exciting absolutely well thank you so much for this conversation i feel like i've made it be, to be on this uh this platform here i've, I've watched uh numerous videos and numerous interviews that you guys have done in the past and just I, I just value the work that both of you do and, and just appreciate um, you know how often and how willing you are to share them and encourage others to, to uh, you know lead the way so thank you very much for this opportunity. You're too kind and we appreciate your time and we're going to probably have to let you go here pretty soon. We're going to have all of your Twitter social. I mean, I can't even list all the social media platforms you're on, but we're going to have all the socials <laughs> in the show notes. And um, we, you know, we have a new website and so we're wow. having a more space even to really pump up those show notes. So Jerry, if there's anything you want us to put in there, if you have an upcoming book club that's open to everyone, let us know. We'll add that there. I do, I do, and this is, I wanna share this with you because I'm really excited about this one. It's called, the book is called, What Happened to You? Oh. And I don't know if you heard about it, but it's uh, by Oprah Winfrey and- um, Oh, I did hear about that, yeah. It is amazing and it's so relevant, Bruce Perry. And it is so relevant because it's about trauma and yeah. trauma that kids are going through. But, re and it's told through stories. So it's not, a, it's not an academic focused book. It's told through stories and I cannot put this book down. I'm almost done with it, but I'm going to read it with a teacher. So I'm getting it for my teachers. They're going to have it 
for the summer read. And then when we come back, we're going to have a couple of book discussions about it because I want them to wrap their heads about the trauma, not only the kids are experiencing, but there's a lot of trauma that I, that as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, I know people, even myself, that some of the rationales to why, you know, people react the way they do. So this is uh, one that I'm excited about here. I love that. Thank you so much, so much. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for all of your time today. I got so much out of this conversation. I cannot wait to put some stuff in action and, and then just keep watching the incredible work that, that you are, um, that you are leading that your, your staff, your teachers, your faculty, your students, all of them, everybody is just doing such incredible work. And, um, and, and we're able to see the stories because of, uh, of your ability to, to help push it out there. So thank you so much for, for jumping on and sharing with us. And we cannot wait to see where this next year takes you. Hey, thank you so much for the invitation again, ladies. It was a pleasure chatting with you both. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for listening. All right. See you later. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this batch of Lemonade Learning, please check out our website, lemonadelearning.us for more resources. Be sure to subscribe today so you don't miss out on future lessons, laughter, or lemonade. And if you're feeling really generous, please go to Apple Podcasts to submit a review so other educators know the value. One last thing, learning and lemonade are best together. So please connect with us on social media using the hashtag LemonadeLearning to share your story. Plus, we're always looking to give away stickers and swag.